the Gospel of Luke in the chapter 13. I would like to speak to you this evening under the title, The Weeping Saviour. The Weeping Saviour. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 13 and the verse 31. And this is the word of the Lord. And it reads, The same day there came certain of the Pharisees, saying unto him, that's the Lord Jesus, Get thee out, and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And the Lord Jesus said unto them, Go ye, and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. Now we hear the Saviour's lament, his cry, his tears over Jerusalem. This is what he says, verse 34. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, and verily I say unto you, ye shall not see me until the time come when ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts this evening. There's many ways that we can recognize a city in our world. It could be geographical. We would recognize London maybe from buildings like Big Ben, New York, uh, from the Empire State Building, San Francisco, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, Belfast, Samson and Goliath, the Harland and Wolves cre- Wolf Cranes. Uh, and sometimes we also recognize places that are famous from historical events that happened there. Uh, we could think of the Boston Tea Party or, or the destruction of the Berlin Wall in the past century. And we know about the troubles in our own country, especially in our capital city, Belfast, which of course are known about all over the world uh, for this very reason. And in our passage tonight, uh, we are told that Jerusalem, we're told what Jerusalem was historically famous for. It was a place famous for killing God's messengers and killing God's servants. But the people who were wanting these messengers of God killed were actually the people who should have known better. They were the Jews who should have known that the Lord Jesus was the fulfillment of all that the Old Testament had taught. And in our passage this evening, we read of how this city who killed, we read of the city who killed the prophets. In verse 34, the Lord is speaking and he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets. Now it's important to note that when the Lord Jesus was saying these words, he wasn't in Jerusalem yet. But the Lord Jesus, he was on his way there. What's so significant about that, you may ask? Well, the Lord knew what was going to happen next time he was in Jerusalem. He was going to die. 
And in Luke chapter 9, in verse 51, he began his journey, his final journey to Jerusalem, where he knew that he would face opposition from religious leaders and eventually death. You see, we find different groups of people mentioned in this passage this evening that we've read just in these verses, and they all wanted different things. It's quite interesting. We see in the passage three examples of longing, people wanting things. The things that they wished or desired. We find in verse 31 that Herod wanted to kill the Lord. We see in verse 34 that the Lord wanted to gather Jerusalem together to save her. And the final want is actually that Jerusalem neglected this offer of love and compassion from the Lord. You see, Jerusalem, his people, God's people, didn't want the Lord Jesus. The same word that is used in the Greek each time, it's thelo, meaning to have a strong desire. Jerusalem, God's people, strongly desired that the Lord would come nowhere near them. So with that in mind, I want you to consider firstly what came to the Lord Jesus Christ this evening. What came to him was a threat. I want you to consider the threat that came. Now we've mentioned already that Herod, we, we, we can see that Herod, it seems, wanted to kill the Lord Jesus. We've read that already in the text. And if you look at verse 31, uh, as we have already tonight, you'll probably feel that Herod is the main threat to the Lord Jesus. And really the Pharisees who come along to him are doing a good deed. They're, they're warning the Lord Jesus that Herod wants his life. We see that Herod wants to kill the Lord. Read with me the same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto the Lord Jesus, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And you would think what they're doing is such a noble thing. There seems to be a real threat from Herod, uh, but nothing at all from the Pharisees in this verse. However, this couldn't be more untrue. I want you to see that there were two potential threats to the Lord Jesus. First of all, there was the government. If we had time to look at all the wonderful things that the Lord Jesus was doing in the region that Herod ruled over, you would discover that the kingdom of God was moving and growing in these days. It was a good time and the Lord's ministry was flourishing. Along the way to his final destination in Jerusalem, the Lord demonstrated the presence of God's kingdom here on earth. He was casting out demons and he was healing many people from sickness. And the crowds of people, there were crowds of people from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. They began to follow the Lord Jesus on his journey. They didn't want to miss a thing. They wanted to see what he was doing. They wanted to hear what he had to say. You know, today, the Lord Jesus, if this had happened today, the Lord Jesus might have had a host of social media followers tracking his journey from Galilee to Jerusalem and turning out to see him in person as he passed near their town. Wherever he was going, he was bringing signs of God's kingdom and the people wanted to see this. And the Lord, he was doing all this and he was demonstrating the love of God to people. And most importantly, people were beginning to follow him and knew their sins forgiven. And all the while he was on his way to die for these people in Jerusalem. And Herod, he didn't want the Lord Jesus in his region. The people were beginning to worship and to heal the Lord Jesus almost like a king. 
And this would have been a great threat to King Herod. And let me tell you, Herod, he was capable of killing those who belonged to God. How do I know that? Well, in recent times, he had silenced a messenger of God. He had taken John the Baptist and put him in prison and then went on and beheaded him at the request of Herodias' daughter. And I would say this certainly was a man, Herod, who had blood in his hands. And now Herod was threatening the Lord Jesus. But you know, I don't feel that Herod himself was the main threat here. I feel he was saying this to get the Lord Jesus to move out of his region. You see, there was another threat. And actually this threat came from the Pharisees themselves, the Jews. Now, you may be thinking, well, hold on a minute, Peter. Have you even read this verse? The Pharisees have just warned the Lord Jesus that he's going to be killed by Herod. They've actually done a good thing. They're telling him to get out while he's still alive. Well, you see, if we read this verse as a standalone verse, well, yes, it seems that they're trying to help the Lord. But read in context, especially in the context of the Gospel of Luke, where we have read these verses from tonight, you'll find that the Pharisees were most definitely the enemies of the Lord. They tortured him. You will find nearly at every main event that happens in the book of Luke that a phrase like some of the Pharisees were there and there was nearly all, they were nearly always there to criticize the Lord Jesus, to run him down, to find a way to debunk his ministry, to quite often, and quite often they failed miserably. And yet, you know, such was the compassion of the Lord Jesus. He still had time for them. And he, he, here was a genuine threat to his earthly ministry, and yet he still spoke with them. They didn't care about the Lord. They actually wanted to move the Lord on into the next jurisdiction in Jerusalem. You see, that's where the, the, the Pharisees' rulers were, the Jewish rulers. Jerusalem was the center of Judaism. And these were the people who really should have recognized the Lord Jesus as God in flesh. But they didn't. They rejected him. And how very sad that is. And to me, they were the real threat. They were playing their part in fulfilling what the Old Testament said would happen. He came to his own, but his own received him not. Imagine the Lord Jesus Christ, who was now walking and talking with people and walking among them. He was doing all these miracles. His teaching was the best that ever a man could have heard. And the Pharisees just appeared to cause trouble instead of listening to what he had to say. They never seemed to go away. You know, if it was you or I, and the Pharisees were bothering us all the time, we may have lost our temper. We may have said things like, I'm taking no more to do with these people. They're nobodies and they're trying to ruin everything I do. If I, if I never see nor hear from or speak with them again, I wouldn't care. But that wasn't the Lord Jesus' attitude. No. He had so much love and grace and pardon and patience. And he was the perfect example of all the things that you and I would fail to do. And he loved these people. The Bible makes that so clear. For God so loved the world. Uh, the Bible also says, For the grace of God hath appeared to all men. God loves all people, no matter who they are or what they've done. And here was Herod. He wanted to get rid of the Lord Jesus. Here were the Pharisees. And they didn't want them either. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to get rid of him. And that would be the end of it. Herod reminds us of government. You know, many a politician today wants nothing to do with the Lord. 
And yet the Bible reminds us that the heart of those who are in power is in the hand of the Lord. Did you know that? The heart of our politicians, the heart of our prime minister, the heart of our first minister is in the hand of the Lord. You know, many of us can identify with the Pharisees. They wanted to get on with their lives and they missed the point in the Lord Jesus. Isn't it true for so many of us, we reject the Lord. You could be one of many people who hear his name or maybe use it as a swear word or maybe just want nothing to do with him and that said, it's all good for you people but I want nothing to do with the Lord Jesus. Maybe you just feel you want nothing to do with religion. You, you just want to get on with your life. Live at peace. I don't want to get involved in all that. Let me tell you something very important tonight. The message of the Bible, which is preached from this pulpit and many pulpits around our country, it's not a message of religion. It's not a message of religion. You see, religion teaches you that you and I have to live good lives and do something to impress God to get to heaven. That's not the message I find in Scripture. That's the message of religion. That's the message of I have to do good to get to heaven. Praise God, it's not like that because it'd never get there. But we teach the truth that's found in Scripture. You and I will never be good enough. Yes, I'm included. And actually God could never let us into heaven, never. The Bible tells us that. But that's why the Lord Jesus came. He was good enough because he was sinless. And because he was good enough, there's the opportunity for you and I to go free. And because he was good enough, he was able to go to the cross and take the punishment that you and I deserve. You see, sin, our disobedience against God and his word, it needs punishment. And just like a criminal needs to be punished, God punished his son in our place. But we must believe that and turn from our sin. The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. You must repent. You must turn away from your sin and ask the Lord to save you. And he will. Ask him to help you live for him and he will help you. Here's the most wonderful thing about the Lord Jesus. He didn't tell the Pharisees to go away. We're told that there was a man called Joseph of Arimathea. He asked for the body of the Lord Jesus so that, so that he could look after it properly after the Lord had died on the cross. Do you know what the Bible tells us about Joseph of Arimathea? He was one of the Jewish leaders. Behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counsellor, a Jewish leader, and he was a good man and just. And the same had not consented to the counsel indeed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. You know, there were those among these horrible men who believed. I'm so glad that the Lord Jesus didn't tell them to go away. And in a world that largely rejects the Lord Jesus today, could you be a little bit, could you be a little bit like Joseph? Be one of those who accepts the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. We must move on the threat. But what about the timing? Now let's reorientate ourselves. The Lord Jesus has this warning from the Pharisees and the Lord sends a message back to Herod. And the Lord Jesus says this to Herod. He says, go, he says to these Pharisees, and tell that fox, 
Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. The Lord Jesus says, hold on a minute, Herod, you're a cunning, deceitful, crafty fox. And I want to tell you something. I am God, and I run on a divine schedule, not your schedule. And the Lord Jesus would go about his daily work of healing and deliverance and he was aware of his destination. His destination was Jerusalem. And there are two scenes here. He knows he was headed to Jerusalem and to his death while Herod, the same ruler who had John the Baptist beheaded, wants to kill the Lord Jesus. And it's clear that the Lord Jesus, he is in charge of his own timetable. Today and tomorrow, the Lord Jesus would continue his daily work. And the Lord Jesus, he's the one who has to complete that work. And it would be completed in the third day. Now the third day in this context isn't referring to literally to the third day. It's speaking of the day that he would rise from the dead. The Lord Jesus' work of healing and deliverance did not end with his crucifixion, no. It was made perfect and complete in his resurrection. Dear unsaved friend tonight, dear unconverted friend, the Lord Jesus Christ is a light. That's why I stand in this pulpit tonight. You can go to Buddha's grave tonight. You'll find him there. You can go to Muhammad and you'll find him wrapped up in his grave clothes. You can go and see the Lord's tomb. And is his body still there? No, because he's not there. He arose and he's alive. And that's why I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he is the living one. And he is the conquering one. And he is the only saviour from sin. And he's the one who can be with you. Day by day if you would only trust him. And you know, Herod, he couldn't dispute the Lord's timetable. You know, the Lord still runs on a divine timetable today. He said he would come again. And the Bible tells us that there would be signs before his return. And dear friends, I heard someone say recently, if you could take your Bible and set it on a newspaper, they're both saying the same thing today. The Lord's return is come. We're going to be soon, I believe it. May not be in our lifetime, not one of us know when the Lord will come. But I'll tell you one thing for sure, the signs are there. This world is getting darker and darker and further and further away from the Lord. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of man be. I'll tell you, it's worse than the days of Noah today. The Lord Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? The Lord is working on his divine timetable. The Lord Jesus is coming again and he will come and take his church to be with him. But let me ask you, are you ready when that day comes? Because it could be very, very soon. No man knows. The Lord is going to snatch his people away and the events that will happen on earth after that will be unbearable and intolerable and unendurable. But tonight there is time and you could be ready and tonight he offers you his free gift freely to you, freely to all. He wants you to be saved from his wrath and he took the punishment and bore God's wrath for you but all you must do is come. Come and place your trust in him so that you don't have to go through this eternal punishment so that you can be prepared whether death or the Lord comes first. Whatever happens, that you are ready. I want you to see the threat tonight. How there was the threat from government, the threat from the Pharisees, the religious crowd, the timing the Lord runs in his own timetable and he's coming again. I wonder, are you ready if he should come? But then I want you to see finally this evening the tears. I want you to see the tears. 
As we read this next verse, you can almost visualize the tears running down the cheeks of the Saviour's face, the weeping Saviour. Picture it. He characterizes the city that kills the prophets and apostles. But his response is that of the compassion of a mother. He knows he's going to Jerusalem to die at the hands of these people and yet he sits on the hill and he looks down and he looks at Jerusalem and he cries over them and he weeps and he can see his tears and he says, O Jerusalem which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often I would have gathered, gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings and ye would not. The Lord Jesus says, I freely offered my salvation to every one of you, but you wouldn't come. I called out to you, and you wouldn't come. And I want to tell you, dear friend, tonight, on the authority of God's word, that just as sure as the Lord Jesus Christ wept for Jerusalem, dear unsafe friend, he weeps for your soul tonight. And here he offers his free salvation to you, And he calls out to you. And will you walk out the door another night? Will you switch your laptop laptop off at home or your TV or whatever you watch another night? And just forget about the gospel message altogether again. And go out into another week. Well that was a good message. It challenged my heart. But that's all it was. That'll do you no good. It'll do you no good. The Lord Jesus Christ weeps over your soul. He has made everything ready. He's done everything that needs to be done. And simply you need to place your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. It's such a simple message. The gospel doesn't need complicated. He died for you and you're a sinner and you're on your way to a lost eternity in hell and the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't want that. He's done all that's necessary and yet you still won't come. Can you not see the Saviour's tears tonight? Unfortunately, Jerusalem didn't want gathered under the Lord's wings. And the city didn't want to come under the salvation of the Saviour. Surely as you consider this image of the mother that the Lord Jesus Christ paints here, the mother in gathering her chicks, it's a beautiful picture of protection. Those chicks know that no matter how horrible things get, they have a mother who was going to protect them. A story is told about a farmer who owned a number of hens, and one night the hen house, the farmer kept the hens, and somehow ended up in flames. And everything was destroyed, everything burnt to the ground, and as far as the farmer was concerned, he had lost all of his hens along with his chicks as well, and he was devastated. And as he walked around the rubble and what remained the next day, he spotted a hen lying dead. However, its wings were wide open and there was a little bit of movement under the wings. And the farmer rolled the hen over with his shoe and to his surprise, a number of chicks came waddling out. The mother hen had protected them and kept them safe through the fire. The hen had spread her wings to protect her chicks, even though it had cost the mother its life. You know, the Lord Jesus wept over Jerusalem because he wanted to save them from eternal punishment, but they rejected him. I wonder, are you someone who rejects him in your life as he, as he spreads his arms wide? 
How much does the Lord Jesus Christ love me? Well, he loves you this much. He stretched out his arms on a cross. The nails were driven through his hands and his feet. And he took your place in punishment and he died for you. So that you could be protected from eternal punishment. Imagine if that hen had tried to protect those chicks from the fire and they refused to gather. That would have been disaster. And yet many a person walks into a gospel meeting and hears about those wings of protection and just walks out and forgets all about them. I don't know how you can do that. The Lord Jesus died for you to save you from potential disaster. Because of your disobedience to God, you're on your way to a lost eternity. But that's why the Lord Jesus died. And he can offer you protection from the disappointments of this life. And he's a constant friend. And he's the only one who will faithfully stand with you in this life. And stand with you for all eternity. And it would be a disaster if you weren't to move under the wings of, of his protection. In past years, there's been so much turmoil and unrest and confusion with many different things that have gone on in our world. And has it not caused you to stop and wonder what life is really all about? Will you not turn to the Lord Jesus Christ tonight? Will you not seek him for salvation? Here's the problem. If you continue to reject the Lord one day, he'll have to say to you, depart from me. I never knew you, you who worked iniquity. Come to him tonight. You know, you who want respite from the way your life is, those who need a place of refuge, come to him without delay. Place your life in his hands. Dear friend, he weeps over your soul tonight. But I wonder, could that weeping turn to rejoicing for you this evening? We're going to sing together as we close our service this evening. The Lord Jesus' voice is calling out to you. And this is a hymn that almost serves as a response. I hear thy welcome voice that calls me, Lord, to thee for cleansing in thy precious blood that flowed in Calvary. And the chorus says, I am coming, Lord, coming now to thee. I wonder will you come to the Saviour tonight. You could use this as your prayer of repentance. You just stood and prayed this prayerfully. I wonder will you come to the Saviour, place your trust in him. Don't leave again. I plead with you, don't leave again without knowing Christ as your Saviour.